This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go ahead and get started. I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters and the crotchety old man Scott Eklund. And the chances of this podcast going off the rails is really, really high. And uh, Fetters, are we going to start this like now or are you going to post the 15 minutes before we started the podcast? Oh, I don't know. It's totally your guys' call. We can do it. We can do a straw. We can do a straw poll. I guarantee you there's more people who agree with me than agree with you guys. (laughs) Oh no, it's no, it's fantastic. It's great stuff, and and it's, oh. bottom line is it's it's Friday, and and I we're clearly we clearly need a football game this week on a Friday for some reason, because yeah, everything is just oh, upside down. How, how about this? What about on Tuesday? Let's do a pre-election podcast. Hey Scott, why don't you just go ahead and say it? You know, just instead of you know the elephant in the room, just go ahead and scream. Get off my lawn. Go ahead. Scream. Yeah, it. no, I'm I just I'm a, I shout at the clouds. I don't even recognize the people. <laughs> well, just, on my lawn. just for con, just for context for guys, we were, we were talking about the idea of husky weather and how I think it's been really interesting this week. How I've seen a lot of Washington fans really balking at the idea of husky weather and not coming to the game because of the weather. And I think Scott actually brought up a really, really good point that due to just the improvements in technology and the convenience and everything. Because when I was a kid, the only way you could really know about what was going on in the game right there, unless you were literally listening to your little radio, would be you'd have to go to the game. It wasn't always going to be on TV. It wasn't always going to be, you know, there's no such thing as streaming or any of that kind of stuff. Now, like Kim, Kim was talking about how he's got, you know, he's got three massive TVs in his living room. And he can have not just one, not just the one game that he wants to watch, but he can be little voyeur, football voyeur, and watch other games in other parts of the country without any problems whatsoever. And so, yeah, I think it's and just a wine a cellar. And, yeah, a and wine it's cellar. well, it's a function of technology. You know, everyone's got their man caves now, and clearly, who wants to leave the man cave to go sit in the rain? I get it. I just, it's just weird to me, and I haven't heard it um, really That's kind of expressed in that sitting. way. You're sitting up in the press box, Chris. You got a box lunch. You got a soda machine, and you got popcorn. And it's all spread out. You got stats being hand fed to you. Yeah. No. Well, st- stats. How stats. About, how, how stats about can be hand fed to you too, as well. About, it's called a cell tonight, phone. How about tonight? You go stand on the sit in the stands in the weather and cover the game from a fan's perspective. Kim, I swear, I swear to you, and I'm trying to be as genuine as I can when I say this. If you could type a sentence on a computer, I'd switch. I'd switch. I'd switch places with you. I'd take some pictures. It wouldn't be a problem to me. We'll work. But After what fact, I went through, Cal, the fact that you can't write and the fact that you can't type 
are are slight. I just say slight impediments. I'm not saying that they're. I'm not saying they're completely. Uh, you know, no can do's. I'm sure you could probably put something together if you really, really had to, gun to your head type stuff. But the, the way things work, you know. What would happen? To, what would happen to you in the end zone at Cal with, with Michael Penix? <laughs> oh, that thing would have hit me in the head. I, I don't know if I would have fallen down, but it definitely would have hit me in the head. Michael said I should have ducked. Well, that's easy. No sympathy whatsoever <laughs> from Mike Penix. Well, and if it hits him in the head, it just hits him in the helmet. So he yeah. doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, like so I said, this thing's going we to go off the rails early. That's all we were talking about. And like I said, I found it really, really interesting. But the more like what Scott was saying, it makes sense. I mean, it does make sense. I'm not I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not being critical of people that decide to stay home instead of going to the game, maybe because of weather. You know, traffic is obviously going to be a, uh, just a, a just a nightmare. I mean, we've been getting emails from UW now telling us where we normally park, where we actually have parking available to us. We north can't Burger, park there. North of Burgermasters, where we're going to be, is that about right? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, we're going to be up on the side hill of Delford. It's it's going to be not it's not going to be great. But uh, I, I'm genuinely thinking of trying to come in via the light rail, but. You know, the last light rail going back up to Northgate's like 1230 and the chances of us getting out of there at 1230 coin flip at best. And uh, I might unless, unless we're, we're literally trying to sprint our way through all this stuff. Might but, canoe yeah. in with the weather. Jeez. But, you know, but these are the things you have to deal with on a Friday night and um, just perusing Twitter, uh, you know, this week. I all of a sudden see like Eric Ainge of all people. The former um, quarterback from the Portland area getting in the middle of it because he does Tennessee stuff now because he played at Tennessee and he's got Georgia fans just all up in a tizzy uh, because he's saying playing playing between the hedges ain't that big a deal. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be amazing because the the, the Oregon State Washington game is going to be done with. We get to sit back and then we get to do all the things that I'm talking about. People shouldn't be doing. We get to sit back. We get to lounge. We get to spend our entire Saturday with our bags of popcorn and whatever and watching, you know, arguably I was thinking about this in terms of the SEC East. Has there ever been a game where it's one versus two nationally? I I don't know. And so that's we get to see Tennessee and Georgia and that's going to be an unbelievable game. Well, Scott's going to take his Scott's going to take his kids on a uh, on a tour downtown Seattle <laughs> tomorrow. Not no. Mm-mm. See kids, this is what it's like when never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Not going there. Like I said, the 15 minutes before we started this podcast was definitely off the rails, but uh Oregon State coming up tonight, 7:30 kickoff on ESPN2. Does ESPN2 does that is that even on? See, we don't watch the games live, so I never even know what channel the game is on. But is that on regular yes, cable? ESPN2. ESPN2. Yep. Yeah, it has been forever. From all, I always remember ESPN2 being literally right below ESPN on the channel guide. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Oregon State coming in, um, I had a chance to talk to and, and Scott, you listened to it with an, an Oki Brechterfield, you know, just ask about Oregon State. He's just kind of shaking his head. He, he didn't want to answer any of those questions. Yeah, that's just not his thing, man. He he doesn't talk. He doesn't like talking. He'd rather just get out there and coach and do his thing. Yeah. I mean, if you had it, it was just like pulling teeth talking to a Noki. So, but well, it's just it's one of those things where obviously there are certain players or certain coaches 
the closer you get to the game time. Now, this is, like I said, this, this is even back when we were, we would talk to Chris Peterson, like on a Thursday, for instance, you know, you could, you could see sometimes maybe there was some game face type stuff going on, especially certain questions might trigger things like, Oh, okay. He's okay. He's starting to get into game mode type of thing. And Nuke is like one of those guys where it feels like he's always in game mode. Like it's just whether it's just the intensity or just the I don't know why I have to answer these questions type of thing. But he always feel it feels like he always is kind of has the game face on, even if it was like a Monday for a Saturday night game. It's just like uh, Chris, he was like that in the spring and fall. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. He's like he's got like perpetual yeah. game face. Yeah. yeah, no. It, for those who remember, he was a really, really good player at Oregon State. He was an all-conference guy, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He was. No, he was really good. Yeah. What is he, about 5'11"? Yeah, somewhere in there, 5'11", 5'10", somewhere. Yeah, you know. not the biggest guy, but, uh, yeah, it's it's he's one of those that just, yeah, he's not big on the media stuff, but, which is fine. The co- mm-hmm. uh, players seem to like him, so, anyways, but. You know, with the game coming up tonight, with the weather expected to be what it is outside, I don't think there's going to be a lot of balls being thrown in the air. I think everybody's going to focus on the run game. And, Scott, when you take a look at Washington's defense and giving up the run, they haven't been real successful in stopping the run, and that seems to be Oregon State's strength. Yeah, there. I mean, Washington hasn't been terrible at stopping the run, but they, they aren't great at it either. I mean, they, I think part of it's just because some teams have decided, hey, well, why would we run if – we can throw the ball all over the place and that's what they've kind of done chosen to throw the ball a little bit around a little bit. I don't think Washington's as bad against the run as, as they were maybe toward the end of Jimmy Lake's uh, reign and everything like that, but they aren't great. And part of it's just because they don't have a lot of difference makers up front. You talked to Brecker field and, and he, he talked about a little bit about Thule, uh, Letulica Sanoa and, how he's kind of the bell cow up front and a lot of the kids follow him. But I, you know, I think that he, if, if they had a generational guy like, like, uh, Greg Gaines or Vita Vea was, or even, uh, Levi, uh, you know, Anzarike, I think Washington would, would probably have, uh, Thule as like a, the second, like a second teamer, like rotational guy, or he would be playing in a different position, along the defensive line. So I, I just I, I just don't see a difference maker for the Huskies right now. They gotta get someone in there that can be one. You know, maybe Armand Parker can be eventually down the road. Javon Parker's done really well this year. Um but I, I just don't see any difference makers. And I think that's been one of the biggest problems. And then the linebackers have been have have gotten washed out in the trash and stuff like that. Now one guy that that we did see uh kind of come on a little bit against Cal was Chris Mall and uh, he had a really good game and I think um, if he continues to play well we could see a lot more of him. Hey and Scott, um, uh, Quao Pehopa. Yep. Uh, you expecting him back? No, not this year. If he if he does come back, we won't see him until spring ball. That's my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I I have not heard anything, but I just know what what he's kind of going through as far as. Uh, you know the the steps he has to he has to take to to get back in the in the fold and in the good graces and and uh, it's going to take a while it's going to take yeah. a while yeah so uh, we'll see how that plays out but Chris when you talk about the Washington defense stopping Oregon State they finally 
at Cal had their original starting five in the secondary back on the field since, I mean, it's been since the first half against Kent State since those guys have played together. But is it really going to matter? Do you really expect Oregon State to throw the ball? Sure, I absolutely do. I mean, they 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 run it about 60% of the time. So that that means they're going to be looking to throw 40% of the time, the way the way the numbers work out. I mean, I'm not great at math. But I've I've got I've got the addition thing figured out and uh, yeah I think they they just uh, they're going to be in a situation where they're going to try to do a lot of play action off their runs they're going to try to utilize the tight ends as much as they can now we've heard Luke Musgrave is not going to be playing in the game tonight which I think is a huge loss for them but they they have other guys you know we talked earlier in the week about Jack Velling the kid from from Seattle Prep who's doing some things as a true freshman right now for them, you know, he's coming on and he's, he's starting to make some plays for them. It's not like, it's not like he's killing it. He only had, I think he has less than 10 catches, but he already has a 60 yard uh, pass and he scored a touchdown. He's averaging 20 yards a catch. So, you know, these are guys that you all of a sudden can kind of explode onto the scene in games like this when they like to go with two, sometimes three tight end sets. So you start to see some of their depth really start to excel. And so I'll be, I'll be curious to see how they utilize the pass game, but I'll also be even more curious to see how the, you know, the weather really impacts these things because I I don't want it. I don't want to be one of those guys that says the rain doesn't impact these games because it does. But to me, especially when you're looking at the number one passing offense in the country in Washington, I think the wind is going to play even more of a factor. And I think Scott's talked a bunch about that this week as well. You know, the winds swirl in Husky Stadium. Everybody who's a Washington fan knows this. It can be very unpredictable. So we'll see how that affects it as much as the rain, because as far as I'm concerned, the rain may have some things to do with maybe guys not catching passes or the ball. You know, I I think with with, – with Penix, you know, he's got a big enough hand. He should be able to grip it, no problem. I just think that uh, it comes down to more down to ball security. When the guys actually catch it, can they hold on to it? And this is obviously a game where the two teams are pretty evenly matched and turnovers, sudden change plays like that are going to loom huge. And the weather's going to impact the game tonight. I, there's just no doubt about it. I, I, I think it's ideal for the run game, but the passing game on both sides, I think it's going to impact. And Washington definitely has the better quarterback, but uh, it looks like Oregon State's definitely got the better run game. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, led by Damian Martinez. I mean, he's he's an unbelievable uh, running back and. And, you know, they, they've got they they just have a plethora of guys that they can just throw at you in, in waves and, and Washington's going to have to be ready for it. I mean, the coaches have all talked about it. The players have talked about it, that they know they're going to have to be a it's going to be a physical, physical game and they're going to have to out physical Oregon State. And I just don't know if they can do that. It's wild, Scott, that I mean, Oregon State just seems to get these guys for offensive line commits and when you see them they're guys that the bigger schools have passed on because they're not athletic enough they tend to be more stompers than athletic but Oregon State just always seems to have a good offensive line well yeah and I mean for a long time I don't remember who was under Riley but for a long time um, um, they were considered to have the the number one offensive line coach in the entire if not the entire Pac-12, also the 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 entire country, you know, and um, 
and now they've got uh, Mike Mahalchik, who's wide, widely regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches out there. So Jim, um, Jim Mahalchik. Or Jim Mahalchik, sorry. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that they, they just they do more with less. I mean, that's just kind of been their mantra always. When when Oregon State has been successful, it's because they've because they've found uh, coaches who can do more with less. And, and that's what Jonathan Smith has done. They've, they've got talent. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's not on the level of an Oregon or a USC or even Washington. I mean, if you went down Washington, the, the list on Washington's roster, Washington, Washington is the more talented team. But Oregon State just does they, they play hard, tough football. Uh, they, they actually remind me a lot of the Don James teams of the, you know, of the 80s and 80s and 90s and, and what they do. And it's former Washington offensive line coach Jim Mahalchik. Yeah, for about 10 minutes. Steve, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian's first offensive line coach at yeah. Washington. Was he here yeah. two days or two was days? It three? It was two days, two, two or three days. He, I don't even know if he actually ever made it up to Washington. I don't no, he, he did. did. I actually met him in person. So, okay. yes, he did make it up to Washington, but it wasn't very long. Yeah, and then the Raiders came and said, hey, you want to coach to the NFL? He said, yeah. see ya. Yeah. And, and, then and, then he, hire, and then they hired uh, Dan Cazetto. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, haven't thought, I haven't seen Dan in a while. I think he's still down in Arizona. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He's, been, he's been in Arizona, I think, for a while now. Is there anything more painful than watching Dan Cazetto with his, you know, <clears throat> a, a bionic shoulder, bionic hip, bionic knee, bionic ankle out there in the middle of practice in the rain and the wind and the cold, yep. just limping around and yelling at offensive linemen? I, I still remember uh, Dan Cazetto taking a phone call from me a couple days before signing day, and and he would sounded really groggy. I go, I did. I wake you up out of a nap. He goes, no, I'm in the recovery room. I just had shoulder surgery. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Answer your phone. <laughs> See, if that Kim, I don't, I don't know what you were saying, how that's painful to me. That's inspiring. Watch that yeah. guy run around, man. I'm like, I got to get off my fat butt and let's go. Do you remember him when we were there and him screaming at the guy? I don't know who did it. I don't know who the hell offered you a scholarship. <laughs> and he, yeah. I think it was Ryan Tolar he was going on. Who no, it's, it's, ben, ben Osai was one of his whipping boys, too. So. I think I, I think I go through this like once a year. Well, I, 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 and I always talk about this. Every offensive line coach that's ever come to Washington will eventually come up to you and ask you two questions. First of all, who recruited these guys? Yeah. And what was he teaching them? Because yeah. whatever they're doing doesn't make any sense, and it's and it and to be honest with you, it has only been with offensive line coaches. I have yeah. never really heard the same complaint continuously with other position coaches. Now it may happen with other position coaches from time to time, but by and large, every single offensive line coach that I've talked to, for all the way from Man Alive, all the way from Gilby, all the way through Scott Huff. They have asked us two things. Who recruited these guys, and what the hell were they coaching them? It's crazy. It, 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 my favorite guy to talk about, the offensive line guys, uh, Mike Denbrock. I, I, I love Mike Denbrock, but, uh, you know, he's been around. He's now the offensive coordinator at uh, LSU. But listening to Mike talk about his offensive linemen, <laughs> he just would shake his head. He who, goes, who? yeah, they're offensive linemen. They're not rocket scientists that I got, so – 
Uh, well, who was the offensive lineman that was from Idaho that could snowboard? Thomas was his last name. Oh, oh Terrence Thomas? Terrence Thomas. And he was a vegetarian. <laughs> and I remember Mike Denbrock looking at us and go, what do I do with a vegetarian? <laughs> yeah. A vegetarian offensive lineman. What the heck am I supposed to do with that? What was he, 6'7", 260 or something? Something like that when he came in, yeah. And a relative of his used to post on our board all the time, which yep. was always comical as well. Yeah. Yeah, hey, just just an FYI, parents or recruits, yeah, be careful what you post online. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, it's like it's like having a one-legged place kicker. In theory, you can make it happen, but really? Is that what you're ideally looking for? Who yeah. is the offensive lineman that went on the mission and came 300 pounds and then came back to Willie Kava. Willie Kava. Well, that was, but that, you could explain that. That made sense. He shows back up at 220 pounds. Took, took him an entire year. Took him an I mean, entire year to get yeah. better, to get to get where he needed to be. Oh, no, he never did. But never, but, but well, yeah, but he was never the same once he got back. Never. I mean, I just remember Denbrock just looking at me and going, what am I supposed to do with this? He's not even as big as our linebackers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I told you, you know, this one thing was going to go off the rails real quick, but Michael, uh, hey, uh, who's directing this thing? Yeah, I know it's me. So yeah. I was up really late last night for some stupid reason. So coffee hasn't kicked in. But uh, uh, Michael Penix throwing tonight into this god awful weather. For those who missed it at the Cal game, was it the Pat? Was it Jalen McMillan he was throwing yes. to? Yes. Jalen McMillan just got accosted, you know, in the end zone. And Michael Penix threw the ball anyways. They ruled the ball uncatchable. So I don't know why anybody would expect me to catch it. They ruled it uncatchable. But Penix went ahead and threw the ball, and it skipped on the turf like it skips on a you know a rock skipping on the water. Picked up speed and basically just nailed me in the face and knocked me on my butt. It didn't really hurt, but uh, I, I guess I made John Boy. I made Pac-12 after dark, and they kind of replayed it a couple of times. But... I asked Michael if he realized it was me, and he said no. I said, you don't even sound sorry or anything. And he looked at me and laughed. He said, you should have ducked. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Michael Penix can uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll verify. He throws a nice tight spiral, especially when it's coming right at you, and he's going to need it tonight. Well, I can also verify that you were very you were very worried that that thing might actually get seen on television. And for for a guy that, that was worrying about those kinds of things, you've been bringing it up. You've been eating off of it. Well, this past week or so got to go with well i just knew when i fell down i mean because it kind of i was moving out of the way and it just knocked me off balance it was the fall that i was worried what about I, that I would you know die. what i'm waiting for and i didn't see it because i didn't uh i didn't wake up in time to watch a lot of game day 
I wonder if you make the uh, one of their one of their little video montages. That would have been last week. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it would have been uh, NFL. Like, come on, man. Been yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. I, but to be honest, one of the reasons the the pregame stuff went off the rails was because you asked me what would happen to me if I got hit in the face, and I was like, same. Except for I'm not I'm not sure I would have fallen down, but it's not like I would have avoided it either. I think what people don't understand is that when it hits the track like that, because it or did it hit the back of the end zone, the turf? No, it just skipped off of the turf. Yeah, but when it when it, when it actually skips off like that, it actually increases velocity. It sure seems like it. It just, yeah. it just skipped off because it's you know it's like skipping a rock in a pond. Yeah, well, it wasn't the tip of the football that hit me. It was the side of the football. So that was. You should be lucky for that. Yeah, no. So, but uh, yeah, but like I said, you know, I'm looking forward to tonight to see how Michael Penix navigates the wind. And we talked about this in the podcast before. And Scott, you you remember this talking to Sark when he was talking about quarterbacks and he was specifically talking about Max Brown, that Max didn't spin the ball that well. And if you're going to play in Husky Stadium, you needed to be able to spin the ball. And that's why, you know, he was going in a different direction rather than I'm trying to remember who they took over instead of Max. It was uh, Troy Williams. Yeah, they didn't take him instead of. Right. Because he chose USC before. Williams committed to UW. It was there, it was down to three. It was Max Brown. It was the guy who ended up at Alabama. You would think he was out of Utah, maybe Nevada. I can't remember. And they 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 got an official visit out of him and Troy Williams out of um, Har, uh, Harbor City. Uh, what is that? Uh, that anyway, Narbonne, Narbonne oh. High School. And they they really turned their focus toward Troy Williams, but that was partly because Max Brown decided that he was going to go. Uh, he was he wasn't gonna stay at close to home, but was he was he in the same class as Keyshawn Bieria? No, he was Were after he? after okay. Bieria. Yep, yeah. So, but you remember how Troy used to spin it? Oh yeah, he had a, he had a strong arm, and that was one of the things they liked about him was that. And I know that he didn't do very very much under Peterson and, and uh, Jonathan Smith, but I guarantee you, if Sark had been here, Troy Williams would have had the kind of career that Keith Price had at Come least. On. And Troy, he went down to Utah, didn't he? Yeah, and I think it was a year, started for like 16 games, 17 games, something like that. Yeah, yeah. just was okay. Didn't do yeah, he, was, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was just, just kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the thing, if I'm the Washington coaches tonight, what I'm kind of worried about is getting that run game going with the wind and – then again, you are playing into uh, Oregon State's strength because their strength is definitely in their secondary. Yeah, it, well, if you throw the ball, yeah, and 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 their their run their run defense is pretty good too. So their their defense is actually pretty good all the way around. I mean, what did they hold USC to? Like 17, 20 points, whatever it was. And they, I mean, they're they they've got a good defense. They're 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 not a liability on that side of the ball. Yeah, who's the um. Defensive coordinator at Oregon State? Trent, uh, well, it's Trent Bray now. Trent it Bray, used yeah. to be um, Tim Tibisar, but yeah, they, and, they switched up, and now it's Bray. Yeah, and Trey and Bray is being brought up as one of those up-and-coming guys to keep your eye on. Yeah, he'll be a he'll be a head coach someday. Yeah, I don't know. How old is he? Do you know? I know you hate it. When Late I 30s? Yeah, like but that. he's a guy that was really well thought of, and, you know, like you said, Scott, everybody's got his, their eye on him, and I think he will be a head coach 
at some yep. point. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that. Yeah, happens. but you look at you look at their defensive backfield. I mean, that's some very experienced guys back there. You look at like Alex Austin. You look at Jaden Grant. Um, you look at uh, Oladapo. You look at Rajon Wright. These are all guys that people in the Pac-12 have known about for the last couple of years. So they they definitely have um, some guys with some real experience on that side of the ball. You because you add in like an Omar Spates. You know, he's a guy that's played a lot. Um, Riley Sharp has played a lot. Um, Simon Sandberg on the defensive line, he's played a lot. Um, so there's definitely some guys over there, Hodgins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be very interesting to see how Washington's offense tries to match up with whatever Oregon State tries to do defensively and what they try to take away. Because I, I just get the sense that most teams in the Pac-12, they kind of realize you're not going to be able to take everything away from Penix. You've just got to be able to f- figure out ways to limit what he can do. You know, the classic ESPN, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. So I, it'll be interesting to see how Oregon State tries to contain Penix. Yeah, and when we were out at practice talking to coaches on Wednesday, we saw the quarterbacks tipping the footballs uh, in buckets of water. But uh, the coaches pretty much told us, you know, it's not so much in – you know, playing with a wet football because they could dry a football off, but it's the wet hands that I'm more concerned with. And there's not many, there's a few quarterbacks who play with a glove on. I'm trying to remember who that was that played with a glove. Oh, most of the, most of the guys that play with gloves nowadays have gloves like on the other hand. Yeah. Like you think of Tom Brady and, and guys like that. I, I've never really understood that. It's like, why do you need a glove on your other hand? But I'm sure they could explain it and it would make total sense and be like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. But on first inspection, I'm thinking, I, wouldn't you rather have it on the hand that you use to throw if you're if you need grip or something like that? But I, yeah, something I've never really understood. It's got a lot of people who've never really picked up or seen or handled, uh, you know, football glove. But the gloves that the wide receivers are wearing, <laughs> they're sticky. I mean, yeah, you can't, you couldn't, you couldn't use those for the quarterback glove. There's no way. Why not? The, I mean, because it just get, it seems like it would give you a better grip. Yeah, try getting it out of your hands. Yeah, it needs to be able to come out of your hands, and if if you're getting that, it, I there's just no way. I mean, try try throwing one with a with your hand, and then try throwing it with a receiver glove. Not easy. Was it uh, Chris? Did you um work on the Penix? I mean, um, grub from the other day where he was talking about Michael's hand size and where he puts his finger placement in order to spin it. No, I did not. Was no, that was that? Josh, Josh Watka. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was interesting when he was talking about that, just the index finger placement. And I'm going, oh, man, Hugh Millen's going to listen to this and I'm going to get a phone call. <laughs> it's going to take 15 minutes for him to explain this to mm-hmm. me. So anyways, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We got a lot going on today. So, uh, Scott, um, you know, wrap it up. Final thoughts. Well, as people probably have read on our predictions, I, I predicted Oregon State to win the game. And I I I just think the win's going to mess with Washington's offense enough to to keep them from scoring a lot of points. I still think they're going to score, and Oregon State's defense is pretty good. But uh, I think Washington will still score, but I, I just have a hard time believing they're going to score enough to win this game. I've got Oregon winning by about, eight, I think it's eight points. I think I had them at 35, 27, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I think Washington can win this game. But they're going to have to force some turnovers. I don't know how many turnovers they have total, but what was it that you said they have three fumble recoveries on the season? Two. Uh, two fumble recoveries on the season. And 
and in order for you to get your hands on passes, you got to be close to the receivers. And they, at times, they haven't been close to the receivers. So I, I think this is going to be a tough game for Washington. Um, I I like Oregon State to win this game outright. Um, I think Washington's gonna gonna struggle some. Um, hopefully they don't. Hopefully they come out with a win and prove me wrong. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a tough game for Washington. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Well. I think Washington fans should take heart because the last time Scott predicted a, a an opponent win was or was Michigan State, so I think that's in the bag for Washington. Um, I think this is going to be within a touchdown either way. If this game was being played in Corvallis, I'd probably pick Oregon State, but because it's in Husky Stadium, because it's going to be in an environment where the Husky crowd, whatever Husky crowd is going to be there tonight, can make a difference. I think they will make a difference. I think this is a situation where, where Scott talked about the fumble recoveries, and, and it's so so important to understand this, that for all the upfield rush that Washington's gotten, they have gotten very little production out of it in terms of getting the ball back. And I talked to Eric Schmidt this week about it. He was adamant about it, that they've been working hard to try to make up for that because they understand that those kind of sudden change plays in this type of specific game can make all the difference in the world between a win and a loss. So, Kim, for you, I'm praying for a rain shadow. I think it can happen. And if it does, that will certainly help Washington quite a bit. But even if the rain and the wind comes, I still think that they've got enough in them with their shorter game, passing game, to, to uh, you know get the ball in, in their playmakers' hands to try to get some yak. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Washington continues to improve on defense because I think they did take a step against Cal, shut them out for the first half in their house. And I think they'll try to keep working on that. You know, De- Kalen DeBoer was was adamant this week. He said they've had more players available to them than they've had since week one. And that's a positive. They're going to need all of those guys to be able to, to be available. So I, I am picking Washington to win this game, but it's going to be within a touchdown. And it's going to be a fourth quarter game. And this is where turnovers, field position, uh, you know, making big stops, playmakers on offense and defense, making stops, making plays. These are the these are the things that uh, matter when you talk about two teams that are really, really well matched on paper. So I, I can't wait to watch this game. I think it's going to be a really good one. 7.30 start, kickoff, probably about 7.40 actual kickoff, ESPN2. Both Oregon and Washington coming off a bye week, which is kind of unusual. We haven't seen that in a while where both teams have had the bye. I think it probably helps Washington more. They get the chance to really get healthy. Oregon State, of course, is going to be without their big tight end, Luke Musgrave. How long is he out for? Do you guys know? No, I don't know. And then it, it sound, sounds he, like Chance been. Nolan is probably going to still be out, so they're probably going to still go with – Ben Gobranson, their their freshman, their backup, who's played the last few games and frankly has looked pretty good doing it. But he, you know, we, we talked about we talked for the guys with Beaver Blitz, uh, talked to Carter Bonds about it, and it sounds like Gobranson's kind of more their high floor, low ceiling guy. It, it, the way they were talking about, it, he sounded more kind of Jake Browning-ish to me, whereas Nolan is a guy who could make more happen with his legs can probably be more of a playmaker in that in that way, a bigger guy. So it sounds like Gobranson's going to be the quarterback tonight. Uh, we'll see how that affects what Washington tries to do against him. All right. Are you going to are you going to um, post the entire podcast or just when we start talking about football, Chris? Oh, no, we're, 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 we're going to be uh, posting it where we talk football Okay. because I don't have I don't have a dump button. 
<laughs> available Scott, to me. Scott, one more time. Yell, yell, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn and clouds, get away from me. <laughs> Scott. And make sure there's parking like. in S1. Can you can you believe what he's – can you even, even guess what he's going to be like when he actually is old? Well, he's already told us, Kim. So we don't have to worry about that. All right. Hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with the old man Scott Eklund and Chris Fetters. Go dogs. 